Proverbs chapter 3. Would you mind standing for just a moment in honor of the reading of the Word of God tonight? We're going to be reading in verse 11 and we'll read through verse 12. The Bible says in verse 11 of Proverbs chapter 3, My son, despise not thou, uh, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the father the son, in whom he delighteth. You may have a seat. As I was uh, <clears throat> putting this uh, particular message together, I was thinking back on my youth, and, and I began to think about as a child, uh, I probably wouldn't say that I was thankful for my mom's direction sometimes, or I wasn't thankful for her correction. And mama knew how to bring on some correction at times. I remember my brother and I got caught doing something we ought not be doing, and uh, one evening she waited until we had gotten in the tub and gotten out of the tub, and then she addressed us. What were you guys doing today? Now, if you've gotten out of the tub, you can imagine where you are. You're with a towel, basically. <laughs> and so, but mom, uh, boy, she laid into us because we had uh, uh, really misbehaved. And uh, she would tell us things like this. You know what your father has shared with you, don't you? You know what your dad has told you about that. Or you know what he shared and you know what he wants you to do. And yet you've gone and done just the opposite. And uh, mom would correct us. And then she would let us know that, how many of you have heard this statement? You wait till your dad gets home. Now, I did not like that statement because I knew there was something coming after that. So certainly, as we've gone on in years, I think we can see the need of discipline that our parents brought into our lives. I'm so thankful. Uh, you know, there are times my dad would uh, say to me, I, listen, son, I don't want you hanging around this child or that child. That is a problem. And he could see things that I could not. One of those was a friend of mine. His name was Keith Harrison. And today, Keith Harrison is in prison. And uh, my dad saw traits in Keith that he told me he wanted me to stay away from. I didn't appreciate my dad's input at that time, but uh, my father wanted to keep me out of trouble. And uh, and through the years, I got in trouble, but Keith ended up in prison. And then I got to thinking about, you know, when you, obviously in your younger days, often we thought our parents just wanted to hold us back from something. How many of you have had that thought? They're just keeping me back from something fun. They're just keeping me back from doing the things that my friends are doing, that I can't really live my life the way they want to. They're just holding back on me. <laughs> and so those thoughts would cross my mind. And at the same time, uh, we get to the place when we were disobedient, and if your parents were anything like mine, discipline came into my life. And my parents were strong on discipline when I was growing up. And uh, I, got, uh, I got my tail end whipped more than once uh, by my dad. And, uh, you know, he would straighten us out. And it was because I went against something, the standards he had laid down for our home. And when I looked at the standards my dad had laid down for our home, and I looked back on it, and I realized I went against those things, uh, I got my uh, hide tanned several times uh, for things of going against what my dad had shared differently with us. He told me not to hang around with Keith, and so one day I decided I was going to hang with him anyway. So for lunch, we didn't have open lunches at our school, and I decided I'm going to go across the street and get donuts. And so I get across the street to get the donuts, and the school secretary taps me on the shoulder. And I turn around, and I could just feel the blood draining from my body. And uh, she said, what are the two of you doing over here? I said, buying donuts. <laughs> That's what we were doing. And she said, this is not an open lunch. You're not allowed out here. She said, get back to the school now, 
and go straight to the office. And I remember going down there, and Mr. Steinmiller was our principal. And I walked in there, and Mr. Steinmiller comes out. He said, both of you boys are going to get paddled. And he said, Robert, inside a folder in my office, I have a note that if you get in trouble specifically with Keith Harrison, I'm to call this phone number. I called that number. Do you know what it is? No. It's your dad's phone number at work. He'll be here shortly. Man, I just wanted to die. Have you ever been in those shoes? Anybody ever feel that before? I thought, man, it's over. I just might as well just give up on life right now. But I knew what my dad's standard was. Are you with me? I knew what his standard was, and I disobeyed him. Now, when Dad showed up, I could just feel it. I mean, all the body, blood in my body just draining to my feet. I'm, going, I'm, I'm fainting, you know, and even as I'm walking back there, I'm thinking, this is over. And he laid into me. And uh, so, but I watched Keith get paddled, and Mr. Steinmiller bent him over the desk and gave him two paddles, and Keith went on. So I bent over the desk. My dad swung once, poof, twice, poof. I stood up. He said, get bent back over. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> It seemed endless in my mind. <laughs> I don't know how many times he spanked me that day. But I broke my dad's standard, didn't I? He specifically said, and there was a consequence to come with that. Now, we didn't always know, and I didn't know the consequence until after it occurred. And so what I'm challenging you with is this thought. Sometimes the Lord's chasing, uh, chastening us, and he's trying to get our attention and he's reminding you of what he educated you on and he strengthened you by and gave you wisdom of and you're ignoring the Father. So read this with me again. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord, what is the next word? Loveth, right? He what? He corrects because he loves us. Are you with me? Everybody in Proverbs chapter 3 with me? You there tonight? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. Are we, are, do you guys use the King James here? I'm just checking. I just want to know, are we all on the same page tonight? And so when I look at this, correction would follow for the chasing, the warnings, the education, the instruction. When rejected, correction would follow. You know, punishment would be delivered for disobedience. So our Lord loves us, and our Heavenly Father warns us, and he instructs us, and he chastens us, and when we are disobedient, then that discipline, that correction kicks in. And so God cannot deny himself. He must fulfill his word, amen? So if we're going to go against God's word, why would we expect God not to discipline us according to his truth? And it's not that he's an unloving God, he's a loving God. For the Lord corrected those whom he loved, right? He's going to correct you because he loves you. Do you correct your kids out of spite and anger? Or do you correct your children because you love them? And so you've got to think about this correction. So the challenge is, do you consistently heed the warnings of God to avoid the discipline of the Lord in your life? See, that, that comes as a result of our actions, and so we do things. And I believe God loves us, and I believe he loves you, and he'll correct you. When you reject listening to him, he's going to take action. And you say, well, I haven't felt it yet. And, uh, you know, don't get so high-minded to think that God's not going to correct and uh, when you do wrong, even as my father set a standard, my father has some standards, doesn't he? <laughs> and he sets some standards for us, and we need to heed to those truths. Now, there are two actions that the Lord takes in the life of a believer to help us obey, that chastening and correction. And so 
in verse 11, you know, I've even found myself at times, we can become angry at God because he's coming after us. And what belongs to him belongs to him. And when you got saved, you belong to God. You no longer belong to yourself. I can show you that in Corinthians. And so whenever you are wandering away from him, he knows it. And if you're involved in sin, he knows it because you're not in fellowship with him. And so he's coming after you. And he'll chasten you. He'll come after you. And God is working in your life. And listen, the wonderful thing is, the unsaved don't get chastened. (laughs) We do. He doesn't chasten the unsaved. He chastens the saved. He comes after those whom he loveth. And and he tries to bring us to that place. And so the Bible teaches us not to despise. You ought to underline that in your Bible. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. He tells us not to despise it or refuse or reject what the Lord's doing in your life. For God is always performing. Believe me, God is always performing what is best for you in your life. He's always doing what's best. He's never doing a halfway job. He's always doing the right job, and he's always doing the right thing in your life. God is never wrong. He is always right, and he's always doing the right thing. And so when you think about this, he said in Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to continue to chasten you and correct you because he's wanting you to come in line to be conformed to the image of his own son. He wants you to be like Jesus. (laughs) And he'll continue to chasten you and bring you along for that matter. Now, if you are to turn from the Lord and follow your own path, leaving behind the truth and leaning on the flesh, you have become a forgetful hearer. And what does James warn us of? See, because you're sitting and preaching and you say, well, I didn't hear anything he said, so I'm not responsible for it. (laughs) And you read the Bible and you don't pay attention, but here's the thing, we're held accountable for what God's Word says. We are held accountable for that. And so if I turn a deaf ear to what I've heard or to what I'm reading, and turning a deaf ear is simply saying, I heard what you said, but I'm just not going to do it. How many of you enjoy that when you ask your kids to do something and they turn a deaf ear to what you told them? Amen? And you say, well, man, I just love them more and more because they do that. No, you have to correct them, don't you? When they turn a deaf ear to something, it's you having told them, I want you to do something or I want you to fulfill something, and they just turn a deaf ear to what you've told them. Then come the consequences. So in James, he said, but be ye doers of the word and not what? Hearers only. When we do that, we deceive ourselves. (laughs) Just because you know what something says doesn't mean you're performing what it says. Amen? You just don't know. And and so here he says, for if any uh, be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way. And, and it goes on and says, And straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now, you read these verses. Do they sound familiar to you at all? When you've read them, do they, you say, You know what? I, I, I know I know those verses from somewhere. It's because they show up in the New Testament too. You get over into Hebrews and you find them again. And I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, and he's writing to these folks, and he's talking to them, and you see this statement being made to them. What we find is, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. What did Paul just tell them? You've forgotten what you're supposed to have learned, right? And it's the same thing. So where did they learn it? Well, it was in the Proverbs. 
And he said, despise not the chastening of the Lord. When Paul read, writes this to the, uh, to the folks there, the Hebrews, he's saying this to them. He said, you've forgotten something, haven't you? And, and he goes on and he explains this to them. He says, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastening, God dealeth with you as, son, as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. He said, you don't belong to me if you're not getting chastened. It's when God chastens us that we understand this. We begin to understand that he's come into our lives now. He's performing a work inside of us. We need not be forgetful hearers of the things that he's teaching us through his word. And therefore, we need to perform those things which he tells us that we ought to do. But we become forgetful hearers. And so Paul reminds them even there in Hebrews that they've forgotten. Now, to despise the chastening of the Lord in Hebrews, it is to make light of or have little regard for what the Lord's doing in your life. Ben and I just went to visit a friend the other day, didn't we? And he's forgotten some things, hadn't he? And it's gotten him in trouble, didn't it? And when we went to visit him and I reminded him, he said, yeah, haven't been going to church, haven't been reading my Bible, and been running with the wrong crowd. Is that not his words, pretty much, right? And he said, but, <laughs> this is why I believe the young man saved, of all people that he could have called, he called Ben Lively and said, Ben, I need your help. <laughs> Am I right? He wanted Ben's help. Now, I'm not trying to elevate a person, but I'm saying, is Ben living his life in such a way that reflected the Lord? <laughs> and that he was the closest thing that he knew to whom God was. Think about it for just a minute. That's a heavy burden now, isn't it? People are watching your lives. I mean, children in this church, when you are uh, harsh uh, toward people, people see that kind of stuff. And your attitude, your spirit, your heart toward other people. And, and whether you know it or not, people are observing your lives. <laughs> and so you can have an influence for good or you can have an influence for bad. And when you look to the scriptures and you see this, and I think about the situation just yesterday, don't despise the chasing of the Lord. And I'm thinking, after we got over there and I began to show him some things in the scriptures, he didn't reject the message at that point, did he? He's pretty open about it. We got him a Bible, put the Bible on his phone, ran around the corner and found the church for him. And that pastor's going to visit him Friday, by the way. It's amazing, isn't it? And here it is, the difference between what happened to him was he forgot things that he heard. Am I right? And now he's remembering, and he was willing to accept the rebuke the other day, and now he's going to start taking steps and measures to correct it. Isn't that what God wants for every one of us? Isn't that what he wants for every one of us? He wants it for all of us that way. So when you look in the scriptures to despise the chasing of the Lord here in Hebrews is to make light or to have little regard for what the Lord's doing in your life. Ah, I know, I ain't worried about it. Ain't no big deal. So I got in a little bit of trouble. Who cares? And what are we doing? Pretty much making light of whatever my God might have done in our lives at that moment. Now, it is a spirit of refusal. It's a spirit of rejection. 
It's a spirit of rejection of the warnings of God and His instruction for your life. And so you're able uh, to only restrain the flesh by the power of God. You can't do it on your own. You need Christ in your life. You need to be around other Christians. You need to be around people that are going to put what I call positive peer pressure on you. You want to be around people that are going to uh, encourage you to do right, not to encourage you to do wrong. And believe me, when you start running with the wrong crowd, you don't think that you're going to get in trouble. And I just shared with you, Keith went to prison. My dad saw that in his life. And so he said, avoid going with that young man. And he said, because you're going to get in serious trouble. And we reject that from our earthly father. What would make you think you're going to listen to your heavenly father? And so God says, if you want to restrain your flesh, you've got to do it through discipline. You've got to do it through education. You've got to do it through the teachings of the word of God. And you've got to implement or put them into practice and train yourself through his word. Let me read this to you. Job 5.17. I like this. Behold. Happy is the man whom God correcteth. Happy is the guy whom God correcteth. And, and he says, therefore, despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. Don't get upset at God because he's correcting you. You know what that lets you know? <laughs> you belong to him. He says, you're not bastards. You are my child now. And, and he said, you belong to me. And therefore, God's chastening you. He's trying to help you get back on the right path. And in Psalm 94, 12, he said, Blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law. Listen, God's going to teach you from his word. He's going to teach it to you. And so I want to challenge you to think about what God's doing in your life. Now, the chastening of the Lord comes unto you because you're saved, and it's truly you are coming to the conclusion of submitting to God's standard of living, and you say, okay, when he chastens me, I see what the Bible says. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to submit to God. And we can do that. We have to do that. We need to do that, submit to God. Now, you can refuse to do so, but you're putting yourself in jeopardy of having correction or punishment being handed down to you because of your actions. Now, we do not give in to our inhibitions. And believe me, folks, it's easy to do. But through the Holy Spirit, you submit yourselves to God. And we can give in to our inhibitions easily. And we can jump into the flesh quickly, but we need to stick with the Spirit. Now, I say that, and I have proof of that by Bible, because it says in Galatians 5, 17, it says, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to, other, uh, to the other, so that ye cannot do the things you would. That means you have a choice in the matter. And God said, you cannot do those things. You have to stop yourself. You can't just allow your inhibitions to run wild. God desires for you to know his word and to know him. And when he chastens you, he's telling you, you have this information. You know these things. This has been brought to your attention. And I have given you my word. And when you read it, it's not a dead book. It's the living word of God. And it is expected that you put these things into play or into practice. So the chastening of the Lord is reminding us that we belong to him and that he's taught us what is right. And when we reject the truth, God reminds us, and we respond to him in disobedience, action takes place. Correction will fall into place. You have to be corrected. When I disobeyed my dad, correction would start. So my dad set down the standards, and he told me what he wanted, and then whenever I mis disobeyed him, then the correction started to take place. 
And he had to take action against the actions that I had done. And he had to stay true to his word or I wouldn't believe him. I wouldn't think that he would do it. But here's the thing. God has to take action because he's going to fulfill his word. Now, I challenge you to be the Christian who consistently heeds to the warnings of God to avoid discipline of the Lord in your life. So the Lord gives us warning to obey, but when we reject him, he must enforce discipline. He says this, he said, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the Father, the Son, in whom he delighteth. You know, the correction, the action that God takes is chastening us because we've been taught, warned, and then we reject the truth and we become a disobedient child. Nobody likes a disobedient child. I've never enjoyed a disobedient child. Not one time. When a child's disobedient, even when other people's children are disobedient, I want to correct them. And the thing of it is, is that I, I, I see things that are wrong. How many of you have been in a grocery store and wanted to correct somebody else's kid? You can say amen. You say, well, no, some other people came to me and wanted to correct my kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I don't know. But I'm just saying, how many of you have wanted to correct someone else's child? And so we would want to do that. And, and here's the thing. Uh, a disobedient child uh, causes havoc. It creates problems, and so God sees it that way. The word correction here is to rebuke or to punish and reprove, uh, reprove the individual for their actions. And so you, you, you uh, have taught your children, and then they go against what you have trained them, and the result is there's a consequence to those actions. This is correction. Now, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about correction. One of the things that I would definitely try to do, and I failed to do it at times, but I would tie what my child did to the scriptures. And I would ask him, what did you do? I never asked him why. I already knew why they did it. They're a sinner. But I always asked this question of him, what did you do? And then I would tell him, this is what God's word says. Now, based upon what you did and what God's word said, I must now perform this act. <laughs> and that act was as I spanked my children when they were growing up. Now, did it make my children perfect? No, but I think it kept them from a lot of harm. And, and the challenge that we have is that we don't want to do that today. The very thing I just told you, you know, people think, well, I'm going to get in trouble if I correct my children today. Correction is not for the purpose of hurting people or tearing them down. It, it, it's not for the point of harming your child. It's for the purpose of training them what is right. And we've gotten so far away from that today. We want to train them what is right. Now, does it mean because they now know what is right that they're always going to do right? No, because none of us do it. <laughs> we know what's right sometimes, and we still do what? You can all say it together in unison if you want to. We still do wrong, don't we? We still sin, even though we know what's right. And so what it is is that you have to come to the place where correction is not for the purpose of tearing someone down. I don't think God's tearing me down when he's trying to show me what is right. He's trying to say, this is what's right. He's trying to correct me. That's not trying to bring harm to my life. That is bringing a challenge to my life to say, hey, here's what you should be doing and here's what you are doing and you need to make a correction. You need to change direction. You need to go down a different path than what you're going in. And so the correction comes at times, and it's harsh at times. The correction that the Lord provides is correction for reforming us or rectifying a situation or to set certain circumstances straight or to straighten out our direction so that we don't go astray again, so that we don't do it again. That's why he does what he does. And so he says, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. <laughs> 
this is not action taken in anger against you. I don't think God's angry at you. I think God's trying to correct you and say, get back on the right path. It's not anger against you. I think it's love and that the Lord has for us, and he's trying to keep us from harm and, uh, and to keep you from spiritually harming yourselves. And, and here's the thing. We would put more emphasis on physical harm than we would spiritual harm. And we're not as concerned about the spiritual harms that we bring into our lives as we would about a physical harm. Mrs. Warnick just put a pair of scissors through her thumb the other day and had to go to the hospital to get stitches in her thumb, and that was painful. Physical pain. How many of you have gone through some physical pain, right? And it's immediate. It's, we we want to take action. How? Eh, I'll wait till next week to go to the hospital about it. I know I'm bleeding from my thumb, and I might have hit an artery or whatever, but oh well, I'll wait a while. We would take what kind of action? As swift as we could, wouldn't we? But when spiritual things start to go wrong, how swift of action do you want to take in your life? When you know that you, you, you've almost, like I'm saying, the scissors went through her thumb, but I've allowed something to enter into my life as swiftly as those scissors went through her thumb, and we know that it's spiritually wrong, how swiftly do we want to correct those things? We'll let it go sometimes, won't we? We'll even allow ourselves to become callous to it and not be concerned about it at all. I love this because in Revelation 3.19, he said, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. <laughs> as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Now, here's what he tells us. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. <laughs> Change your ways, right? Change what you're doing. And he says, be zealous about it. Uh, we're told to be zealous and repent. We're to have an earnest heart to change and to think differently and to reconsider our actions. How many of you know Ephesians 4, 22 through 24? Where the Bible says that you put off the what? Former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your what? Mind. And that you put on the new man which after God is in righteousness and true holiness. There is a getting rid of stuff, there's a change in my thoughts, and there's a bringing something into my life, right? <laughs> I have to get rid of some things, I have to change my thinking, and I have to bring some things into my life. Well, those things that God wants you to get rid of is that old man. That former conversation is not how you used to talk, although it could involve that. It is your life and your lifestyle. He said, get rid of that. Put off that old guy. Change the way you think and take this new man and put him on. Now, this new man, there's two elements to that, righteousness and true holiness. Those are the things he wants you to put on in your life. And so when we look at the chastening of the Lord, we're to be zealous and repent, and we're to consider uh, our actions, and we're to think differently about things. We're to think according to the Word of God. So we should have a proper response to discipline. And, you know, when, when, when a child has the proper response to discipline, there's a change in thinking, and they begin to say, you know what, I see that. Now, I've loved those. I call those aha moments. And I've seen them in my kids' lives at times, but I've also felt them in my own life. How many of you have had those aha <laughs> moments in your life? And you look at it, and you're going, I get it. I, I share with you, you know, some of the wisdom that you gain over years and you try to impart that knowledge to someone who's a little more youthful than you, 
I could see my dad's frustration then. <laughs> I could see my mom's frustration at times, things that they were trying to impart to me at that time, at that youthful age. And I missed it. But we should have a proper response to discipline. And when we reject it, I think it just leads to hardship, a harder life. We reject the chastening of God. We reject the correction of the Lord. And so when it states that God is, even as our earthly father would correct us and delighteth, meaning to be pleased with or to satisfy a debt, that's what he's talking about here. Now, it has nothing to do with your salvation. It's that God's pleased with something. He realizes, you realize you've done something wrong. God gives you what is right, and you correct that thing. It's like satisfying a debt. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? And so God's saying that to us. So the consequence of our disobedient actions is a debt, and the Lord chastens us or corrects us to bring us back into line with his standard of living. So I believe it pleases the Heavenly Father to correct us and to give us direction that we may then continue to please him with our life. Now think about this. To be uh, the Christian who consistently heeds to the warnings of God to avoid discipline in the Lord is one that's going to not just be a hearer, but a doer of the word. Amen?